0: Hello everyone. How we doing today, huh? Are you sure? Okay, okay. It's week two of Cautionary Christmas Tales, so be warned. Be warned. Um, like Phoebe and Bruce said up here, this today from 1 to 4 is Family Fun Day right here in the lobby. So you do need to check your kids out of Kids Point and you need to take them and go get some food. Um, but then you can come back. And we'll have all kinds of good stuff, games and all fun, family fun stuff, so you don't want to miss it. And yes, Santa will be here. And yes, I know him. Yeah, yeah, we're close. We're tight like that. Okay, so there's a lot of things going on at Christmas. I mean, it is like the hustle and bustle, right? Things are happening, things are going. There's always stuff going on. And we can get wrapped up into all of that, can't we? Where you're just like one thing to the next, busy, 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 busy. It is going, it is going. And so this series, we are looking behind the scenes. We're looking past the evergreen trees. We're looking past the ornaments, past the candy canes. We're looking at those tales that no one wants to talk about, those cautionary Christmas tales that we all live, we all walk them out. We just don't want to talk about them. We want to leave them under the, the, the tree skirt thing, under there, under the presents, under all that, and we don't want to talk about it. Um, but do you remember Dasher? And dancer and prancer and vixen. And, and do you recall the most famous cautionary tale of all? Drama. <laughs> family drama. Does anybody, you don't have to raise your hand. Oh, no, let's raise your hand. How many experience family drama this time of year? Yeah, yeah. How many, res, how, a lot of you didn't raise your hands on that one. Why? Because you brought your family with you to church? And that, the drama sitting next to you? I think if you didn't raise your hand, you're either the drama instigator or you're sitting next to the drama instigator, and you're like, no, I'm playing this one cool, Pastor. I ain't doing nothing. <laughs> but I go to family things, and we all do. You go to a family gathering or something, and family, and it might happen with friends as well, but family has a way of saying things to you that kind of cut deep, but they, they, they cover it well with the holiday spirit, right? Like you come in, and you sit down, and they'll say... Oh, my goodness, that sweater makes you look way thinner than you are. <laughs> it covers your muffin top. I can hardly see it. That, you just look okay, right? And you're like, I'm a... i kid you not, several years ago, I went and saw some family that I hadn't seen in a while. And we do the, the beginning, like, hello, how you doing? You know, that typical hug, handshake, how you doing? Good to see you. And we sit down at dinner across from each other. And they looked at me and they went, wow. Your hairline is really receding, and you look old. Do you feel okay? I'm like, I was until this dinner. It's just like you can't seem to get away from it. And you know as well as I do, and here's the key. You know as well as I do that however you respond to that statement, that action, whatever it is, however you respond will determine how the rest of your day will go. Or, or at the very least, how you respond will determine how that meal goes, how that time goes. And, and here's the thing. So there, there's whatever they say, whatever they do, and then your response in between what they say or do and your response is this time frame in the middle that is called choice. You choose. And now some people are like, well, I couldn't help it. I just flew off the handle, right? You don't, don't raise your hand. i just could to handle it. Here's what I've learned over time, because I'm I'm like the ancient of days now. Um, The the shorter, the distance between the stimulus, the thing, the problem, the, the words, whatever it is, and your response, the distance is a reflection of your maturity in Jesus Christ. Because Jesus never flew off the handle. Eat, and oh, I heard some of you Christians right there. You're like, oh, but there's that one time where he went in the temple and he tossed the tables and he flew off the head. Oh, girlfriend, you need to go back and read the story. He went in the temple. He looked around and then the Bible specifically says that he left and made a whip. It takes time to process that out. Back in the day, you had to go buy the leather and then you had to sit and braid the whip and then you had to go back and the come on. There was not, he didn't fly off the handle. Jesus never did anything in a hurry. Jesus never did anything without thinking through it. And so as followers of Jesus Christ, we have these moments with our family and with our friends where they say something or do something and we either fly off the handle or we recognize that moment to choose properly how to speak. And what we end up doing too many times is we don't think quick enough. We don't pause in the moment to determine what to say. And then what we do is we create more drama than we ever even were ready for. Let me just tell you something. After first service, several people came up to me and said, wow, thanks for punching me in the face. That was a hard mess. Ma- okay, okay. So I'm just preparing you. All right. There's this book. Um, called The Man's Search for Meaning, and it's by Frankel, author, um, Dr. Frankel. And if you have not read this book, I would highly recommend it. It might take you back to psychology class 101 or 201 or 301 or 401. But he lived through the uh, Nazi concentration camps, and uh, just a fantastic book on processing this stuff. So, so are you ready? So, so, okay, are you guys okay today? Okay, I'm going to need a little more than that because I'm just telling you right now, where we're going, you're not going to like, but I need you to fake it, okay? Just fake it and just tend like I'm talking about the person sitting next to you today, okay? Can we do that? It's called a cautionary Christmas tale for a reason. Be forewarned. All right, here's a quote from this book. Between a stimulus And a response, there is a space. Now, don't be caught up in the word stimulus. It's like whatever they say, whatever they did, whatever somebody else is responsible for what they did. Between a stimulus and a response, there is a space. In that space is, now check out all these personal pronouns. In that space is our power to choose our response. In our response lies our growth and our freedom. The last of human freedoms is to choose one's attitude in any given set of circumstances. Let me put a little Craigology on that last sentence. The last of human freedoms is to choose one's attitude when you go to Christmas dinner and are surrounded by people that you really don't like or appreciate how they view the world. But my attitude is my only power and my only choice. Isn't it interesting, oh, I can tell, you guys, this is going to be a fun one today. I can tell y'all just ain't liking this at all. Isn't it interesting that when we get in a difficult situation and things aren't going our way, we always want to blame it on somebody else? It's always somebody else's fault and reason for the reason I'm acting this way. Well, the reason I said that is because she posted that. You might not like it, but it's the truth, and you know it. And we try to throw the blame on other people. Okay, here, fill in the blank for this one. This will be great. As long as you blame others for your unhappiness, you will always be unhappy. As long as we're blaming other people for this and that and that, guess what? You are now a slave to what they've said and what they think, and you have lost your power of choice because you have shortened that distance between the stimulus and the response and you have removed the thought process out of it. Are you tracking with me? And we have to, and I'm just gonna tell you something. I personally think that when we get involved in all of this drama and stuff, it is not a powerful, proper way to live as a follower of Jesus Christ. Does it blow anybody else's mind how much drama there is in church? And sometimes you get older and you say, well, that's just the teenagers. Those middle school girls, they're full of drama. True. Come on, can I get an amen? From the student section, can I get an amen? I mean, uh, true. And the interesting thing is you would think we would grow out of it, but we don't grow out of it. We grow in it. And the drama Drama is everywhere, and drama is not where we're supposed to be. So look at, I know, you're like, Craig. that's nice, that's nice. I don't like it. Give me scripture. Okay, I'll give you scripture. James chapter 4, verse 1. What is the cause of our conflicts and quarrels with each other? Doesn't the battle begin inside of you? No, it's them. No, no, no. Au contraire, mon frere. No, no, no. Doesn't the battle begin inside of you as you fight to have your own way and fulfill your own desires now I want I want to show you this thing called a drama triangle that I that I wrote up um and so here's the how many of you would like to just you can't remove drama from your life really like drama's around is it not but how many would like to just turn the volume down on the drama in your life just just me oh my goodness this is a sermon to me I preached so well first service and I enjoyed every minute of it okay Turn down the volume of the drama in your life so you can jo- enjoy it a little bit more. And we get in this triangle. So let me explain this triangle. There's the, the, these are the, the players, the role players in it. It's the victim, rescuer, and persecutor. And this triangle is in every situation of drama Across the board, whether it's your family or your friends or your coworkers or the mixing of the two. That's always fun, isn't it? The work Christmas party. Oh, my God. Okay, so you mix all those. And so the victim, for example, let me explain this. The victim is, now, there are real victims, okay? So, like, victims of crime, victims of sexual assault, victims of, okay, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm not, that's not the definition of victim I'm using. Victim here, these are the, the calling card of the victim here is, <laughs> is woe is me. I, I've got all these problems, everybody's against me, everybody's talking about me, everybody's posting about me, everybody's lying on me, everybody's against me. And the victim always looks at their life and sees that it is completely full of negative circumstances and they see themselves as lacking the power to do anything about it. Track it with me? Okay, okay, okay. And then the second one is the rescuers. Their calling card is, oh, I'll help, I'll help. These are the people that are like, You know, something's said, and you're like, oh, I'll help. Do you need me to call them? Do you need me to text them? Oh, I'll Snapchat them. I ain't scared. Well, so I'll help you, and they'll help you to the point of even their own detriment. And then you got the persecutors, and the persecutors are those people that they don't help with nothing, but they're really good at pointing out all the wrong. They're really good at pointing out all the negative stuff, all the bad stuff, all the bad people, and they're just all day long, but they don't help with nothing, and they can't do anything for it. Now, here, here's, the, here's the power of the triangle. To make, it, uh, to make you understand this, you have to find who you are in that role, what role you are in that triangle. Where are you? Are you all okay this morning? Where you are in that role, because you have a part to play. If you are right now in a drama situation Whether it's at school, at home, or the family gathering later on this month. Wherever you are, wherever there's drama, if you're in it, then what's your role in it? And once you claim a role in it, you claim responsibility for it, and then you get to choose. Now, here's the power. Here's the the negative power of it. You can think it's down to one, but your role can switch in those things. So, for example... You have a drama situation with your family. So your mom and your sister. And so in that situation, you're the victim. I wish they would just all love me like I should be loved. They just, I don't I deserve more than that. They're just always I just I need more. I need, I just wanna. And then you switch over to the drama situation with coworkers or other family or school, and it's like a friend and two friends or whatever, and maybe there you're the persecutor. You're always pointing out stuff. And so you rotate situations. It's kind of like um. My family, we love roller coasters, okay? So we are roller coaster people. Even over Thanksgiving, we went to Busch Gardens and rode roller coasters. Our family loves roller coasters, all except for Phoebe. We're trying to work on her, pray for her. We just force her on those rides. Um, (laughs) But there was this ride, I think it was at Universal Studios. This was several years ago. And we're riding all these rides, and I love them. I mean, the hills and the turns and the corkscrews and all. I mean, I'm like, woo! You know, I just, I love it, I love it, I mean, you, know, you just laugh so much, the tears are just flowing out of your mouth. <laughs> I love it, I love it, and then there was this one ride, and I should have looked at the ride before I got on it, you know, just so you can judge, anybody do that, you judge, does anybody like roller coasters, or should I come up with a different story, okay, most of it, okay, so you should, look, just, here's a warning, look at the ride before you get on it, this was a new one, I'd never been on it, and I was just like, oh, that's cool, and we get up, and after you've waited in line for like an hour, you're in, you know what I'm saying, you're, you're in. And we get up there, and I see the ride and I'm like, oh, okay, maybe not too bad. And it was like, I call it the claw. I don't know the real name of it, but it's this thing, and on each finger are like six seats. (laughs) Tracking with me? Okay. And so this thing starts, and it's doing this. And I'm like, not bad. I got this, bro. It's like that boring pirate ship, you know, kind of thing. I'm like, whatever, whatever. And so it's doing this, and then all of a sudden, it starts doing this. I'm like, I'm still good, I'm still good. And then it starts going all the way over and just flipping all 360 degrees. And I'm like, ah, I'm going to die. And then as I'm sitting there, I'm like, okay, it's, it's, gotta, it's got to it's be over r- soon. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You start feeling stuff that you shouldn't feel, anybody. And I'm like, it's got to be over soon. And then the devil showed up. And it's doing this. And all six seats start spinning individually, and I was just like, oh, have you ever, I, I, for the first time in my life, I lost complete equilibrium, like I didn't know what was up, what was down, and I was like those videos you see, where they're just like a rag <laughs> I don't know, I sit up straight, I don't know what straight is anymore, I just can't, and I was, like, oh. and the, the ride gets over, I make it, I did not vomit, out of my mouth, just right here, and we get off, and my lovely wife Patty says, Okay, what do you want to ride now? And I'm like, the car, home. I want to ride in my car at my own speed in a straight line, home. And that's how this drama triangle is. You get in the park, and you're in there, and you might change roles, you might change rides, but you're still in the park. You haven't left the drama thing. All you're doing is changing one situation to the next because you don't realize it, but your life is surrounded by drama and you say to yourself, oh, drama's just normal. Drama is not normal. Drama is common, but it is not normal. And my whole goal of this thing today, it might be a tough message as we get into this, but my whole goal of today is I'm looking for somebody some follower of Jesus Christ that is ready to just leave the drama park behind, to stop riding the rides of everybody else's opinions and views and words and just live a life of full of love, hope, and faith that Jesus has called us to. Because we get a little messed up and we lose our equilibrium on some things and we're like, oh my God, I don't know what's going on. And we get on the tilt-a-whirl after that and you're like, what are you doing? Why are you going from family drama right back to your friend drama? Why are you going from friend drama right back to coworker drama? Because some people only know how to live their life based on drama. And when there is no drama around them, they create drama. And it's like we've lost our equilibrium on how to live a life of Jesus Christ. Jesus did not create drama nor live in drama. He spoke truth all the time. And it was truth and love and grace and mercy all the time. And believe it or not, we have that ability. So my goal today is to find out if there's anybody in the room or watching online that really wants to finally leave the park behind. Just me. That's fine. You can keep riding your rides. But I learned a while ago life is let me just tell you let me paint a picture on the other side of the park It's beautiful It's full of peace When people want to know what's your here's the latest right now you know what's your view on Israel and Palestine I need to know I need to know Here's my response Man it's Christmas isn't Jesus awesome And some of you still want to know well what's your view I have a view but can I tell you something It's my view, and the minute my view comes out of my mouth, it creates a triangle of drama that I just choose not to live in, because my life is better not living in that drama, and I enjoy life, and I'm not going to sit around and be in drama and then complain that when John 10.10 says, Jesus came to give us life and life more abundantly, and I say, well, I don't have that abundant life because I'm drowning in drama. I caused it. So again, my goal today is to find anybody, somebody that wants to leave the park with me, that wants to actually not fall prey to this cautionary tale once again and actually maybe for the first time some of you go to your Christmas dinners, go to your family settings and actually enjoy it. Why? Because my unhappiness is not based on them. My unhappiness or happiness or joy is based on my attitude in the situation. So does anybody want an escape route? <laughs> we go to Bush Gardens, and you know how many exits there are at Bush Gardens? One. Just one. You got to work hard to get out of that mug. You know what I'm talking about? And you got to work hard to get out of this. Here we go. If you're interested. If not, get on your phone, play games. Um, Romans 12:16 says this. Live happily together in a spirit of harmony, and be as mindful of another's worth as you are of your own. Let me just pause right there for a second. This is what we're trying. This is what we're trying to achieve. This is not. This first sentence is not living in the drama world. This is like where we're supposed to be. So I see you. You've got problems, but you have worth as a person. I've got problems. I've got issues, but I need you to see the worth of me as a person, not my stuff, not my junk, not my mistakes. You have worth. I have worth. And if you'll recognize my worth and I recognize your worth, guess what? We get along so well. So how do you do it? How do you get out of the park? And then he lists all this stuff. Don't live with a lofty mindset thinking you're too important to serve others. But be willing to do menial tasks and identify with those who are humble-minded. Don't be smug or even think for a moment that you know it all. Never hold a grudge or try to get even, but plan your life around the noblest way to benefit others. Do your best to live as everybody's friend. Okay, that's way too much. We're going to break this down, okay? Because there's four steps in here that I think, if we'll do this, it really will help us get out of the drama thing. Is anybody in drama stuff? You don't have to just nod at me. Presbyterian amen, you know, just kind of like, yeah, mm-hmm, drama stuff. So I'm not alone? Okay. Well, you can stay on the ride if you want to, but... Pastor Craig getting off. Here's the first thing from this verse. And each one of these are fill in the blanks. And then there's a section of the scripture that we just read that I'll read again. you got to serve somebody. He said, don't live with a lofty mindset thinking you are too important to serve others. Serving is key. We serve here at South Point Church. It is a big deal. If you've been here for any length of time, you've heard us talk about serving. We serve in-house. We serve in the community. I hope and pray that you're not just serving on a volunteer team here, but you're also serving in the community. If you're not serving on a team here, why not? Let's serve together to make this happen. Because here's the deal. Before you met Jesus Christ, before you made a decision for Jesus Christ, and you come in the doors at South Point, we are all here to serve you if you're here and you don't know Jesus Christ we are here to serve you what can I do for you how can I help you how can I love you pray for you can I get you coffee can I hold the door open for you can I show you a seat what how can I serve you the minute you accept Jesus Christ as your personal Savior the roles are switched now you need to be serving somebody else because somebody else needs what you've got and we serve that's what we do we serve we serve he said Well, I just don't know. And here's the problem. God, here's my soapbox. We're really good at saying I've accepted Jesus Christ into my life, and I am a follower of Jesus Christ. Okay, finish that, because if you're not serving, I'm going to question the maturity of your salvation. And I know that's harsh, but here's what I mean. I'm not saying you got saved and you're not, don't have interest into heaven. No, no, I'm not. Well, here's what I'm saying. I'm saying that it says in Romans, it says, hey... Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. As your mind changes, it should become more like the mind of Christ. And the mind of Christ, he served from the beginning of his life to the end of his life. He is the ultimate example. And so to be more like Jesus, to grow in my maturity of a follower of Jesus Christ... I serve because it's just now something in me, and that something in me is this man named Jesus Christ who showed me the way to walk through this life. And I'll tell you what, when you're focused on serving others, drama fades in the background. Well, I'll serve in church, but I'm not serving my deadbeat family. Maybe if you served your deadbeat family, your family would get along. Okay, excuse, Okay. They made my chair smaller. I can't hide anymore. Let's just go on the second one. You ready? Let's just move on. That, one's, that one hit clo- too close to the face. All right. Here's the second one. You're not always right. <laughs> Did you think they got easier? Did anybody think they got easier? You're not always right. The Bible says this. Don't be smug or even think for a moment that you knew it you know it all you're not always (laughs) I know for some of you this is a revelation (laughs) but Craig I am right they're wrong I googled it I know they're wrong back in my earlier days of marriage um, now and then uh, on honestly on rare occasions I would be right and Patty would be wrong Uh, and I admit on rare occasions but that's fine on those rare occasions when she actually uttered the word, because it's not just her being wrong, she has to say, I, I, I'm harsh, man. I make her say it, I, I want to hear, because they're, they're so rare, it's like a rare gem. <laughs> I want to hear her utter the words. See, she's teaching plugged in right now, so we can just be honest, right? So, <laughs> I want to hear her utter the words. I was wrong, <laughs> And the first time I got her to say that, I followed up with a not very wise statement. I said, how'd that taste coming out of your mouth? (laughs) In your face, woman. And that's why I have a spare bedroom now in my house. But have you, isn't it interesting how much correcting someone can take the joy out of a situation? Have you ever been out to dinner with a couple, and you're sitting there, and the guy goes to tell you a story, and he's like, hey, so, okay, so, um, last week on Monday, I went out and his wife's like, oh, honey, no, it wasn't Monday, it was Tuesday. <laughs> so, okay, so... Last, last week, I went out, and it was on Tuesday, I went out Tuesday, and it was like raining really hard. I said, oh, honey, it wasn't raining. It was really just more like a mist. It was just like a foggy mist kind of thing. It wasn't raining. Okay, so last week on Tuesday, I went out, and it was just kind of misting, and I, I jumped in my car, and I was, oh, honey, your car was in the shop. Remember, you took mine. <laughs> so last week on, to, uh, who even cares about the story at this point? <laughs> but there's this need to correct, and how dishonoring is that to correct in those moments? I'm going to be honest, this is a husband and wife thing right here. And me and Patty have worked through this years ago. It, it, honoring, say, well, I have to correct them. Why do you have to correct them? Because they're wrong. How, what if you're not right? What's the pain in allowing them to tell a story the way they remember it? Oh, I know you don't like it, but this goes on in every married couple in the room. I'm not even going to ask you to raise your hand because y'all are elbowing each other from here and I can see you. There's a need in us to always be right, and if I know I'm right and I know you're wrong, I must correct you, it is my spiritual gift. But do you see how always trying to be right is dishonoring instead of loving and encouraging? Come on, you don't have to raise your hand, but how many have been in those situations and it's just uncomfortable? And you just want the person to just, you want the spouse, whichever one it is, is—to you just want to look at them and say, would you please shut up? <laughs> and let him tell the story? <laughs> See, you fight so hard to win an argument, and every time you fight that hard to win an argument, you're losing a relationship. You're eating away at a relationship that is based on love and integrity. And by the time you tear them down to be right and you win, I won, I lost. I know, I know. Craig, that's all your opinion. Read scripture. Okay, you won't like that any better. Proverbs 17, 28. When even a fool bites his tongue, he's considered wise. So shut your mouth. When you are provoked, it'll make you look smarter than you really is. Well, Pastor Craig, I don't like the Bible anymore. Well, (laughs) look at the second sentence. So shut your mouth when you are provoked. You know, I've been talking about husbands and wives, but how many of you have been provoked online by something somebody posted? And we feel our God-given duty to correct them. I saw this guy, he posted this thing, he's a pastor, and I completely, 100% disagreed with him. I thought it was just heresy. And I pulled up comment, and I went, and the Holy Spirit said, is that going to build him up? Is that going to help? Is that going to save anybody? Or are you just going to tear people down? Because what's going to happen is you'll post that, and then other people will start posting under that, and then before you know it, it'll be a conversation, argument, and people are going to start slinging mud at one another. Come on, everybody. Am I the only one that's ever been on social media? Anybody? And I think this verse is so true. What does it say? So shut your mouth. Even when, like the furthest, even like when you're really provoked and you are angry, that between the stimulus and the response, come on, somebody. Nobody likes this message. Between the stimulus and the response is a thing called choice. Choose the way of Christ. Choose the way of Christ. All right, you ready for number three? It's not any easier, guys, sorry. Never hold a grudge. And the verse says, never hold a grudge or try to get even. Now, holding a grudge, I was thinking through what's holding a grudge, you know? And so you have these big offenses, right? I mean, you have stuff that's happening in your life where somebody has, like, super done you wrong, okay? And those are... Those are legit and those are real and we need to forgive those people, we really do. Um, But a grudge, I think a grudge, um, this is just my own little definition, I think a grudge are those smaller things that don't really derail your life, but you just don't let go of them. They're those little things. And those little things, if untaken care of, just starts the drama triangle. Because here's what it looks like, you have that little grudge, well she said I look fat in my sweater. Well, you probably do. No, I'm sorry. Okay, so (laughs) I'm just playing. She said, I look fat in my sweater. And you don't say anything to the person, right? You say it to somebody else because you're a victim and you need a persecutor. And then the persecutor and the victim line up and they find somebody to help, right? Oh, honey, you're okay, baby. Boo, I love you. You look good in that. You know, just because it comes in your size doesn't mean you should wear it, but that's all right. Just so you're good. And it's just, come on, that's funny. I don't care who you are. It's <laughs> a little uncomfortable laughter there. You're like, oh my God. Okay. But it just starts the drama. Do you see how the drama just starts? So what do we need to do? Even in the grudges, we need to forgive them. Well, I don't feel like it. You cannot find a scripture anywhere in the Bible from cover to cover where forgiveness and feeling go together. Nobody ever said, I feel like forgiving. That just doesn't exist. No, we forgive, and it heals our feelings. I mean, think about it. When Jesus went to the cross to die for our sins, for our forgiveness, the night before in the garden, he was like to the Father, I don't feel like it. That's in the Bible. I, I reworded it, but it's in the Bible. I don't feel like, he didn't feel like it, but what did he do? He chose to do it. In between the stimulus and the response is a choice. We choose. So how do you forgive even the little grudges? Here, here you can fill in the blank and then I'll explain it. Speak it, set it, live it. Speak it, set it, live it. Speak it, set it, live it. So here's the way this works. You have to say you forgive them. And for some of you, I've given this example a hundred times, but people still ask me, how do I forgive somebody when I don't feel like it? Number one, when you, feel, when you forgive somebody, it does something in you that is the most freeing thing you've ever experienced, and it's difficult, but it's beautiful. So how do you say? It? So let's say you, Redneck Ronnie offended you. All right? Redneck Ronnie offended you. He said something. He did something. his little girl, you hold on to it. For the first day you need to forgive him. Every time you think of Redneck Ronnie, say, out of your mouth, even if you're by yourself in your car, I forgive Redneck Ronnie. I forgive Redneck every single time. Well, I don't feel like it. Who asked if you felt like it? I didn't ask if you felt like it. Jesus doesn't ask if you feel like it. The Holy Spirit doesn't ask if you feel like it. We just do it. So the first day you might have to say every time you think of it might be 438 times, and you have to say I forgive. I'm ready, Agarani. 438 times. The second day it might be 420. The next day 400. The next day 350. The next day, 300. What are you doing? You are transforming your mind and renewing it to be like the mind of Christ. It is a reprogramming of our horrible, worldly, fleshly mindset that because they did that, I have the right to hold on to this. It's reprogramming. And when you say that and you get that forgiveness in you, I'm telling you, it's the most freeing thing ever. It's the re- and then you set up, and then you set it. You set boundaries. So if Redneck Ronnie every Christmas, every holiday, every weekend, whatever, he comes over to your house and he gets drunk. I'm just pulling something out of the air, okay? It could be anything, making fun of your sweater or whatever. But redneck Ronnie comes over and every time he comes over, he gets drunk. And you just like, nope. And you set up a boundary. You say, Ronnie, you can come over, but you're not drinking. You're more than welcome to come over, but if you start drinking, you got to leave. You set up a boundary. As long as he obeys the rules of the land, or even the rules of the relationship. Are you all tracking with me? Does that make sense? As long as he obeys those rules, he's allowed in, but he knows the boundaries. We don't set up barricades. We don't keep people out of our lives, but they have to act properly in our relational circle. Are you tracking with me? So speak it, set it, and then the third one, obviously, live it. It's it's a daily thing. We just live this. We forgive, and we set boundaries. All right, last one. I got to go to the last one because I got... Jason playing keys. All right. Fourth one. And it gets easier. Here we go. we got to lift others up. We have to lift others up. Plan your life around the noblest way to benefit others. Do your best to live as everybody's friend. And like I said, Bush Gardens only has one exit out of it. Here, here's the main gate out of our drama-filled amusement park. Ephesians 4.29. Never let ugly or hateful words come from your mouth. But instead, let your words become beautiful gifts that encourage others. Do this by speaking words of grace to what? To help them. Yeah, but that's not what they said. They said, no, no, we're not talking about what they're saying. We're not talking about what they're doing. We're saying this: what's going to come out of our mouth is going to be helpful and full of grace and full of love. And I know this was written way back in the day, like around 50, 60 A.D., but here's the deal. I think the same thing applies to our fingers in social media. Never let ugly or hateful words ever be found anywhere on my social media account. But instead, let all of my words that I type for other people to read be beautiful gifts that encourage them to live a better life than they're currently living. I'm gonna do this because I, every word I type is going to be grace because I want to help others not tear them down. If you want to stop drama, if you want to get out of the park, our mindset has to shift from proving other people wrong and telling them how wrong they are to just sharing the love of Jesus Christ. I have Jesus Christ living in me, and so therefore love and grace and hope should flow through me. People should be excited to get on your timeline, not because of the rants that you post. You know, I don't normally do this, but prepare yourself uncomfortable laughter huh? instead what if they look forward to looking at your posts because they were so encouraging they were so life-giving oh my goodness I needed that thank you so much not tearing people down but lifting people up I'm going to tell you something when we start living that way not only are we walking and living a more mature follower of Jesus Christ life we're changing the world Because the world thinks drama is normal Drama's not normal, it's just common How about we start making the gospel of Jesus Christ Normal and common Can I pray with you right where you are Will you just bow your heads and close your eyes for a second Heavenly Father I love you so much And right now in this moment Holy Spirit I ask that you speak to each one of us In this house and watching online That you speak to each one of us I ask that you dig deep in our minds today. Show us the drama triangle that we're currently in. Let's just start with one, some might have more. Show us the drama triangle we're in. And now Holy Spirit, I ask that you speak to each one of us, be honest with us. Pull back the layers of all the holiday cheer and show us what role we're currently playing. Are we the victim, the rescuer, the persecutor? Show us what role we're playing. And now, Lord, we pray that you give us the strength and the courage to follow you out of this crazy park that we found ourselves in. Father, I just pray that every relational, this is a big prayer, I pray that every relational situation right now under the sound of my voice, that the drama will be turned down and that love will be turned up that always having to prove ourselves right and the other person wrong let it be turned down and let the rightness and the correctness of your word be turned up father father from this day forward everybody that's going to receive this prayer not everybody will but those that will father let their life be different today Let other people question why they're not engaging like they used to engage, and make it a beautiful opportunity to just share, again, love and hope in a very troubling time. We love you, Father. We depend on you. We trust you for all these things. And I know we cannot do this without you. We got ourselves into this. And praise God, you are still the ultimate rescuer. You pull us out when we have no other way. So, Father, today I'm asking you pull us out of the muck and the mire of all the drama and gossip and junk that goes on over and over again. And today, don't just pull us out, but today set us free from the addiction of having to live in that kind of life. We love you, Father, and I thank you so much for your goodness, your mercy that you come and get us time and time again. We love you, Lord, in Jesus' name amen 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 guys thanks for listening to me if there's anybody that needs prayer for anything there's beautiful people down front on both sides that would love to pray with you and connect with you they're here for you stand with me if you will and if you're a follower of Jesus Christ and you want to take communion today there's communion elements down front on both sides that you're more than welcome to partake of and then let me give you an offering update we've been taking up this wild offering and uh, been announcing that as it's going the wild offering is still open you can give towards that till the end of the year and uh, there's special offering envelopes out there on the, In the lobby on the counter And you can give that out there But as of, let's see, last week was 77000 This week we are up to $92,000 Oh, come on, that's awesome Praise God Thank you for your generosity You people are amazing and wonderful And I love doing life with you It's going to be an amazing year ahead of us Alright, you ready for the benediction? Here we go, here we go Now may God The fountain of hope fill you to overflowing with uncontainable joy and perfect peace as you trust in him. And may the power of the Holy Spirit continually surround your life with his superabundance until we all radiate with hope. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Let's go radiate hope.